And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Cam Edwards, sitting at the kitchen table, and you know what that means. Miss E is with us. Uh, We are avoiding, not actively avoiding, the third uh, Republican debate on CNBC. It is going on. I'm also missing the World Series, but uh, if we didn't do the podcast tonight, the podcast wasn't going to get done until after Halloween. So we'll make that sacrifice of uh, not watching a third GOP debate. We have caught uh, all three debates to this point, though. Right? I don't first know if two. I caught... Well, you didn't catch the first one. You were kind of in and out of the room on the first one. But I you caught... sat with the second GOP Well, I, I did the whole... The one where like 17 people were there and, and Carly kind of held her ground. I think that's the one she won. It was the, Well, I mean, you don't have like formal winners. But yeah, people said she did really well. That was the second one. Okay. I didn't catch the first one. I was like yelling at the TV during the Democratic one. So <clears throat> I did pay a lot of attention to that one. I didn't realize it was there was one coming on tonight. I mean, who's in the World Series? Uh, the Royals and the Mets. Oh, see, I wouldn't have paid attention to that anyway. Yeah, well, you don't really like baseball. No, and I don't like them because I'm like, <laughs> what what ties do I have to them? If it's I mean, the Red Sox, you Red might Sox, sit. The right, Phillies, right? You know, I grew up outside of Philly. You that was might a town. sit and watch right. a baseball game. Otherwise, uh, you, you it should be noted uh, because I know everybody has this image now of Miss E as awesome, and you are awesome. But there is one thing that I would change maybe if I could and that I, is that you I don't won't, like sports. You won't go watch baseball with me. Nah, you won't go to a baseball. baseball. Game. Oh my gosh. What was the last time you dragged me to a baseball game? I think I either brought my knitting or you a book. You brought your knitting. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is not a good idea to be doing your knitting and lo- not looking for foul balls and well, stuff. So we, I was more worried and that's why I'm like all right fine you don't have to come anymore. Well, you also, you know, before I, you know, you also would say when we sat down, okay, if I elbow you, you need to look up. Or if I say something, you need to look up. Because I wasn't not hearing. I was just not watching. Right. Yeah, but I'm not sure I would have had the... See, that was a thing. It was stressful for me because I had to have <laughs> reflexes for the both of us. So now I'll just try to go to a, a major league or minor league game or two uh, during the course of the season. My, my dad used to drag me to Philly games when I was a kid. I, don't, I just don't like baseball. It is more boring than... See, that's the other thing. Your dad used to drag you to like historical stuff, too. And you won't... You won't... You won't... I mean, you will... You will. I shouldn't say I'm you a little won't more, because you will. I will. I went to Mount Vernon. We did Appomattox. I, I willingly went to the Patrick Henry place. Right. And that was out in the middle of Nowhere. something. <laughs> uh, and you were like, wait, where are we going? Uh, I will go now. But yes, as a 14 to 15, 16-year-old girl, uh, historical sites on a rainy Saturday was the last place I really wanted to be going. So uh, on this week's 40 Acres in a Fool, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the new book. Heavy Lifting by Jim Garrity and myself, which is now officially out and available for sale uh, at uh, Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And, and, and when I opened up my Amazon uh, app, it mm-hmm. had a little orange banner. It was like number one in parenthood or something. We've been the number one, and I have to thank you for those of you who uh, have already purchased the book. Really, truly, thank you, uh, because it's been really cool to check. And it's not like I check multiple times a day, but I usually yes, do, do check. No, I don't. <laughs> Maybe well, okay. Two is multiple. It is. So it's more than once. I, I don't. I don't check more than let's say three or four times a day. <laughs> and that's um, not multiple. But I don't need. Well, I would think like a dozen. You know. Uh, if but, the but person I really, had three to four wives, they'd have multiple wives. That's true. You're right. <laughs> All right. I don't go overboard in checking, uh, but I don't really need to because Jim's checking as well, and <laughs> and he's tweeting our our Amazon sales rank, and it was uh, it was really cool. We were uh, in the top one thousand. Uh, for a couple of days, and maybe we'll get back up there. But I really do have to thank all of you for uh, for purchasing the book, and and so we've been the number one new release in several categories like uh, parenthood or fatherhood. Uh, we were the number one bestseller for a time in men's gender studies, which just cracks me up really? because right. It's nice I, like, it'll be a weird textbook available for men's gender studies. I, you know, not, yeah, right, because it's not like uh, heavy lifting is going to be adopted as a textbook in any uh, men's gender study, unless it's like an example of what not to be, right? College kids, because remember, you know, we're talking about college and universities right now, so they wouldn't be teaching no, they'd us be, in a they'd good be, way. They'd be more teaching the <laughs> the New York Times version of the twenty seven right? way. The, exactly what is it, the modern real yeah the modern man twenty seven ways to be a modern man. I don't know what they're calling it, but I'm not. So, I'm sorry, but I don't need you to know my shoe size 
or my clothing size, actually, because to me, it's like a personal thing, and it's my own numbers, and I don't need you knowing how big or small those numbers are. I like you to live in this illusion that I'm like this, you know, perfect size person, and and you think I am, and so that's great. But once you actually see the real numbers, it's the illusion is just shattered. So I that's a that's a personal thing. I'd, I'd rather you not know my clothing sizes. Thank you very much. I'm I'm fine with that too. That I would I, I just would never think to go shoe sizes. shopping for you. T-shirts, awesome. right? Shoes. Now you know how I'm about my shoes. Exactly. I'll I buy you. I, I whenever I get to go out and travel, and I get to go somewhere cool. I try to bring back a cool T-shirt for you. Yes, I always get the That's coolest, my funkiest T-shirts, and I have got the most random collection. It's awesome. Yeah, and I live in them because I work from home. Right. But uh, anyway, where were, where were we talking about the the modern man and the uh, uh, the heavy lifting man? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so the, the so the heavy lifting man is uh, <clears throat> is doing very well, and the book is doing well. So thank you very much for that. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Uh, in the uh, podcast, I think I hear a dog whining, so I might have to take a break and uh, go for a walk here in a minute. But before we do that, I know everybody is just dying to hear how the birthday party went. You know, we've been hearing about it for the last few weeks. You're turning 50, you're going to have the vodka party, going to have the appetizer. So did you enjoy yourself? I, I think I think this was probably my, my most favorite party ever, and uh, you were totally in on it, but my... My, our oldest daughter came from Tulsa, and she usually when she comes to visit, I buy her a plane ticket and I pick her up at the airport. But she totally did this all by herself. She got her plane ticket. She got she rented a car. And the day of the party, I woke up to cook. I took off Friday to cook, and then I was cooking Saturday, and I finally was taking a break. And we're out on the front porch kind of looking around, and then here comes this strange car down the driveway. And I'm like, no way. Anybody's coming now. It's three hours before the party. I don't recognize that car, and you didn't either. And I went back inside to get my shoes, and by the time I came out around the front porch and came out underneath the carport, she was out of the car, and oh my god, my heart about bust. <laughs> because she's not going to be able to make it for Thanksgiving because of her job, mm-hmm. and she's not going to be able to come home for Christmas for like the first time, and I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to start crying about it, but for a really long time, because she's got a really cool traveling gig going on. So it was really great that she could come home for my birthday, and it was just like... I was just, I was just so proud of her. And then, not an hour later, here comes the next oldest kid, and I didn't know if he was going to be able to get off from work. And it turned out he drove three hours here and three hours back on the same day. Right, because he had to open. Because he had on, to open on, on Sunday. Sunday morning, and he and he didn't want to have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning, and I wouldn't have either. Uh, but it was fantastic, and the food was really good. It was really cool to introduce people to things. I made blini and served the caviar with blini and homemade creme fraiche we also had smoked salmon for that i made the siddic which is that ukrainian egg cheese that everybody really liked and i thought that was good with the caviar i made the piroshki and the pierogies we had the different types of pickles um oh and for my birthday cake i made double chocolate brownies and i made classic palm ears because for people who don't want to eat chocolate and we had like eight vodkas Mm-hmm. To try, we still have a lot of vodkas left. Yeah, it's not like it's going to go to waste. We don't waste. drink like we it's used like, to. It's like the fountain of youth. I found like <laughs> I have found the liquor of the fountain of youth, and yeah, it is vodka. Um, but no, I mean like it'll last for a really long time. But it was fantastic. It was so much fun. Like you, I had people who had not had and oh, our and my ham. My I smoked the ham mm-hmm. on Friday, and it was fantastic. Like my friend who butchers food and makes things and is a really great person at making cheese, she told me, "When are you going to open your smoke shop?" Like that to me, coming from her, was like the hugest compliment. Right. So I had the ham and kabasi out too. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah. You didn't even mention my favorite side dish that you made, which was the oh, mushrooms it was and the sour mushrooms cream. and the sour cream. That was one of the Russian dishes that I got out of that cookbook, and that was really yummy. And it was super easy. It's like. Uh, mushrooms, some butter, a little bit of flour, and a lot of sour cream and salt and pepper. But it was really, really yummy. You saute the mushrooms first, right? Yeah, it's a pound of mushroom. It's a pound of mushrooms that you saute in like four tablespoons of flour or butter, sorry, until they're nice and soft and, and cooked down. And then you add one and a half tablespoons of flour, and you cook that. You have to cook that for like fifteen or twenty minutes because you want to cook the flour out. And then you're adding a cup of whole milk sour cream and some salt and pepper and then that's simmered at a very low temperature for 15 minutes and then it's fantastic it's like you know beef stroganoff without the beef part right but it's thicker and richer and creamier oh and then there was the cucumbers in sour cream with Mm -hmm. the onion and the garlic salad so yeah and then like you know I bought a veggie tray from the grocery store right which I don't think anybody really not really no (laughs) too much other good food yeah right 
Well, it was really. I listen. I, I had a. Uh, I think everybody here had a really good time. Yeah, I had a, a reply from one of the guests today. I should have a fantastic time in the party, and there were a lot of people. Uh, I got replies back on Facebook like, "No, ma- no, I'm not surprised your kids would come home. You're awesome, and they want to celebrate your day with you." I think I got that picture. Like, I had a. Oh my gosh, my daughter came home, got like a 97 likes, and I only have like 200 friends on Facebook. So right. like for half the people to like the fact that I was like surprised and flabbergasted and so joyous about my children coming home was really, really cool. Well, it was really, really cool to, to, to see the look on your face when our daughter showed up because I, I did keep it a secret. I didn't even tell our other kids that uh, no. that she was coming home because I knew somebody would spill the beans. The only right? one who knew was the one who doesn't live at home. Exactly. Too, so he would knew to come home as well. Right. Right. And uh, and and so I, I kept this a secret for about two weeks, and uh, and then when the when the car was coming down the driveway, we just happened to be outside. Actually, I kind of arranged it for us to be outside because I had talked to our daughter as she was driving, and so I kind of knew when she would be right. coming. Um, and for a split second, like, I thought about pulling out my phone. And I thought, nah, you know what? Like, you don't need you don't need the video to remember that moment no. ever. No. She won't either. No. And I didn't. No. Uh, and, you know, I suppose, like, blah, 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 you could share it with the world. But I don't, we, we just did. To. We just did. We just did. Well, that's the thing. The like, world. we just did. Nobody you know, I wouldn't want to shove. happy cry face. Well, that's the thing. I didn't <laughs> want to, I mean, I just didn't want to ruin that moment by shoving a camera. No. In your face or shoving my phone in your face. No. And I'm really, really glad that I, I really kept that. I'm really glad you refrained from doing that. I am too, uh, because it was just awesome to see. And, you know, you were crying and she was crying and it made me well up a little bit. No yeah, tears was- actually went down the cheeks because as I uh, wrote in a piece about the uh, 27 ways to be a modern man, the uh, uh, my response piece, the, the timeless man, it's not that he doesn't cry because he cries. But generally speaking, you're you're only going to see the timeless man cry at a funeral or the birth of his child or when he's hit really, really hard in the nads. So none of those things occurred. But it was, a, it was a – it was, I did get a little – I got a lot of a clump. Yeah, absolutely. I got a lot of a It was nice. And it was fantastic to have all of the kids at home. Yeah. You know? And I mean, they were all just, here for the party. I think the littles kind of hit upstairs and had to go upstairs after a fact. But – but uh, the the four oldest hung around. I think uh, the second one didn't leave until I got a text at like two thirty in the morning that they got home safely. Yeah. And then uh, the oldest was here until Monday afternoon, so that was nice. Right. We had a quiet day to hang out and visit. And yeah, yeah. it was good. It, it was, was a great. really good weekend. So thank weekend. you to everybody who, uh, who who wished Missy a happy birthday. Yes, and very much so. Thank it you. was a happy birthday. Yes. All right. When we come back after a uh, quick break here on Forty Acres and a Fool. Time to shamelessly plug the book, Heavy Lifting, by uh, Jim Garrity and myself. Stick around. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. America WK with your host, Andrew WK. There are these moments when you are compelled to do things that defy your own logic, that defy your own taste, that defy defy your own preferences. You wind up doing things that you don't like to do, and yet you like doing them almost because of it. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. It's the 36th episode of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. I can't believe it. We are uh, three seasons in to our our first year of podcasting. We started in the depths of winter and went through the spring and summer, and now the uh, the fall is here. What? Well, I was confused because I was like, wait, you haven't been doing this for an entire year but there are usually 10 episodes to a TV show, and one 10-episode TV show is called a season, but that would take three years to do. So I was really confused. But you're talking about weather seasons yes. over the 36 times that you've been doing in the podcast. Yes. I get it Weather now. seasons. I get it now. Because this isn't a TV show. I know, I know, but I was just like, I, uh, for a second, I, I, was, I was really confused. It's been a long day. It, it's, it's the end of the month. I work from home. I'm a technical editor. And the deadline is the last business day of the month, which is Friday. Right. 
I haven't had a coworker since the end of September, and October is my busiest month. 37 documents are due, and everybody is dragging their butts, and I'm scrambling, and I can't yell at people because I'm several hundred miles away from them because I live in Virginia, and they're all working in a different state. So it's kind of, it's just been a stressful week. So, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to Friday and Halloween, so yay. Yeah, we still have to, uh, we've been bad. We we don't have costumes for the kids yet, but... Uh, it's not that we've been bad. They actually haven't asked or had any ideas. <laughs> I have had sick people this week and a birthday party to plan for last week. We do have a bunch of costumes in boxes down in the barn. Yeah, that's true. So I think no, there'll, there'll be picking. something. Right? There's always something. Yeah. It can always be the uh, bedsheet ghost or the uh, sweat-panted pirate uh, with the bandana. Right? We have <laughs> exactly. lots of pirate wear. I even have a blunderbuss from when I was a pirate. I think I have a, uh, a non-operable blunderbuss as well that uh, someone could use if someone wants so to be a pirate. Go. So Yep, there you go. Part of the uh, the heavy lifting of parenthood, you know, you got to make sure that your kids actually do get the uh, the Halloween costumes. Although, yeah, it's it's weird. My and our kids aren't. I mean, like compared to when I was a kid, they're not even really into the candy. No, not really. And we live so far out that going trick or treating to find a place to trick or treat is right. always an issue. But even when we didn't live out in the country, when we lived in the burbs, no, like, the they, candy would last until Christmas, and right. we'd use it to decorate our gingerbread houses, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd go through and pick out the good stuff, too. Well, yeah, because there's the Reese's tax. Right. Reese, Reese's peanut butter cup tax. Mm-hmm. And the crackles, which you can... I can never find a full-size crackle bar. I don't think I've seen a full-size crackle bar in, like, ten years. But you always find the fun-size crackles. One of the children was just asking about those because she really <laughs> likes that size. And just, I've never seen this in the stores. And I'm just like, it's only in fun-size bags, I think. I know. And it's not the same as the Nestle Crunch. It's just not. No, it's not, but it is. But it's not. But it's That's the same the thing. It's chocolate and Reese's, or no, chocolate and Rice Krispies, right? Yeah. Or rice, tre- whatever. Rice, puffed rice puffed treats rice or something like that. Bits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still just not the same. So if anybody out there at Hershey's is listening, <laughs> bring back the full-size crackles, at least in Central Virginia. Release the crackles! <laughs> Good one. Thank I you. like that. Now I just have this mental image of Harry Hamlin battling a giant chocolate bar, holding up a stop-action head of Medusa. So uh, anyway, heavy lifting. The book has come out. I said we were going to talk about it a little bit uh, here. I figure maybe you could interview me. Yes. You want to do that? I can. Turn about? I can do that. Um, so I have to ask, uh, I know <laughs> ever since I've known you, you've been really good at talking. That's probably how you won me over because we would get on the phone and you just could talk me into – you were a sweet talker and you just made your living talking. So uh, how hard was it to write a book since you make a living talking? It was – it was you know, it was actually – it was uh, it was really hard, especially because uh, I was writing a book with somebody who's a really good writer. Yes. Uh, and that was really intimidating. It was uh, – you know, to think about somebody who makes a living – you know, putting words on paper, and every day Jim is writing thousands of words. This was his third does he book. Do it on paper? Well, well he does for those two books. Whatever, quote okay. unquote paper, yeah, I know digital you paper. I know. La, la, la. Um, it, it was yeah, it was it was really uh, intimidating. And you know, look, I don't, I, I would never even pretend that I'm uh, anywhere close to as, as good a writer as Jim is. But uh, I believe the uh, the the review at Pathios was uh, all of the pros is at least serviceable. So I feel like I've done my job. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it, it got easier as, as time went on. Like, towards the end of writing, I kind of wished that we had had more time yeah. to keep writing. Um, and, and so who knows, maybe a Heavy Lifting 2 Electric Boogaloo will uh, uh, will, will be uh Well, wasn't there a writer who always forward. said that you're never finished with a book, you'd always go back and yeah. edit it, so you might as well just, there's got to be a, f- a time when you just, just stop. Right. And and I, I saw uh, on Twitter earlier this week the uh, the critic and writer Terry Teachout, who's, uh, again, just a, a, a fantastic writer, tweeted something that uh, every time he submits a piece, he still gets jitters and he still wonders uh, if it's going to be accepted. And he's been doing this for 40 years. Yeah. And so I think that's just a part of, of, of how it goes. If you submit something and you're just, you know, you're just so proud of yourself and you just know it's great, it's probably not as good as you think. I, I that, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking, but you know, it's kind of like 
it's kind of like with what we're doing here. I'm I'm in the middle of a steep learning curve. Yes. Well, Forty was, chapters in a fool. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the uh, the well, this next is podcast. Your, this is your first book. Oh yeah. And I love. I liked all. I think you had. I liked all your personal stories. Well, good. Did you have a favorite one? Um. <laughs> Our first I, Christmas. I hated it, but I loved it at the same time as that time we had to go to beep Hooters for our Christmas <laughs> dinner because I had that giant brain fart, and it was really just a brain fart. I mean, I had spent. My parents got divorced when I was eleven. And my grandparents and my father's brother and his wife, so my aunt and uncle and my dad, all lived about 45, 7 hour minutes south of where my mom lived. So I lived with my mom and I would go to visit with my dad. But with holidays, they would alternate. So if my mom got Thanksgiving, my dad would get Christmas. And when my dad got Christmas, it was still my dad got Christmas anyway because mm-hmm. my dad would get us – my mom would get us overnight – and then we would go with my dad to for dinner. But the dinner was always either at his house, my grandmother's house, or my aunt and uncle's house. So it always rotated. I never had to cook dinner. And so I just wasn't thinking. All I was thinking about was we had just moved into this house a couple months before Christmas. This was my kid's first Christmas in Oklahoma. And I wanted to make sure they had a lot of good presents. And I wasn't even thinking about dinner. But, you know, look, it's not you. It's It was both of us. Neither one of us was thinking about dinner. Well, you'd go always go to somebody's house or not have Christmas dinner. Or my house. I mean, I wasn't, you know, my mom would... Right, would you'd go to somebody's go, house. Right, but it was... You were an adult living at, a, a, out of the house. Like, you, my house yes. would be where you were living at the time. If you're talking about going to your mom's house, like, I would go to my dad's house. Right. Right. That's, yeah. Yeah, but neither one of us thought about it. And no. so <laughs> it wasn't until dark, really, that, uh, uh, you know... Tummy started rumbling and thought to myself, hmm, I wonder what Miss E has up her sleeve for Christmas dinner. And so I remember wandering in and you were reading a book and, hey, what, what's for dinner? And that look on your face, I'm like, it was the opposite. That look when our daughter came home and you were so happy, the opposite of that look was the look on your face when you looked up at me and you realized, oh, Christmas dinner. Yeah. And it's it's time to eat Christmas dinner and there was nothing. So, And, and I don't even think we had like, sandwich stuff in the house because i still had probably had to go grocery shopping because it was close to the end of a paycheck or something right well it it was right after christmas right (laughs) and so we had our own little christmas story moment of all piling into the mercury topaz and uh and driving up northwest expressway in oklahoma city on christmas night and there's nothing open nothing Chinese restaurant right and you were just like no because no. <laughs> it was too Christmas story for no. you right yeah I was like even though yeah no I was going to live out your childhood fantasy movie and going to the Chinese food restaurant for dinner and have them sing jingle bells and instead you gave our youngest son the best Christmas ever because he got to have Christmas at Hooters yes he did and he we was t- like six <laughs> right and we tell the story in uh, in heavy lifting that's one of the the, the many kind of fun family stories, and that's the thing. I mean, this is a this isn't a. I've been doing a lot of interviews this week uh, for the book, and I, I, I'm always afraid that I'm giving the impression that this is like some serious tome or some angry screed about your snowflakes. You need to grow up, and no, it's, it's it's not. It's, it's a celebration yeah. of why. It's, it's good. good to be an adult. Why you don't want to have that extended adolescence, and and why. Uh, you know, being a parent and, and being a spouse is, is awesome. Uh, and it's something that you should look forward to and embrace, not something that you should run away from or, or be too afraid to actually do. Actually, this came up today during one of the interviews that I was doing because I think a lot of, uh, a, a lot of this really is fear based. You know, there's never, when you're in your early 20s or your mid 20s, and I got married when I was, day before I was 23. So, um, you know, there's you're not making a lot of money. You're just starting out in your career, right? There are all of the obstacles that you face that everybody faces in the early 20s. And it's true, the economy now is kind of crummy. Um, the economy was not as bad when I was starting out. But the economy is always kind of bad for people in their 20s. Yes. Uh, and if I was too afraid to take on the responsibility of being... You know, a husband and a father to two kids at that age, I would have missed out on an awesome life. You know, but because I, I, because I believed in myself and I gambled on myself, uh, and I, I just thought I can do this. You know, that's what what made me 
go ahead and, and, and get married. And we had this, so I had this conversation during one of our uh, interviews today about when we decided to have a child together. Cause when we got married, you had two kids. I became an instant dad. But then a couple of years later, we were talking about having another kid. And, and I was the one My who was logical clock. Right. Tick. Like Jim writes in the book, tick, tick, it's, tick. It's, right. And I was, was coming up. Yeah. And I was the, guy who was like i don't know about this you know we already have two kids and i i mean what happens if we have a third and we got all the baby expenses and you know i don't know what if what if i lose my job and i can't support you all and 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 you i remember distinctly you telling me like look if we wait for the perfect time to have a kid we're never Never gonna gonna have have a kid kid. and that's true right yeah and and so squared my shoulders and, and, and said, you know what? You're right. Cause I married a very wise woman and, and boom, one month after trying, we were pregnant. <laughs> right. How about that? Um, but, but we were blessed. I had three baby showers. Yep. It's because, you know, nine years in between the last and the middle, right. I had nothing left. I had given it all away bef- but even while I was living before I met you. And then when I moved, I was like, okay, every baby thing needs to get out of my apartment, so I'm not moving it too. So I had, we were, we started from square one. But thankfully, like I said, we were blessed. We had parents sending us things. My father, when he came to visit, brought us a crib. Uh, we had, like I said, a couple of big baby showers at work. Even one where the oldest two went to an after-school program at the church. The mm-hmm. kids had a baby shower for me. Yeah, it was the, it, it, you know, one of those moments like this weekend where my heart just felt like it was right. Three sizes too big for my chest. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the Grinch, but you know, it just makes you feel like wow, your heart swells because you realize people really like you. Yep. Yep, and absolutely. The, and he was well loved as a baby. They would they loved on him from day one when they met him. Mm-hmm. So I think that yeah, I just think that fear is a big part of why we see that delay uh, in, in people getting married and in people having kids because the the polls say that uh, most millennials actually still want that they they want to be married they want to be a parent they they actually don't want to live in a micro apartment in the city they want to have a house in the suburbs or. A healthy number of them say that they want to live in the country. That's nice. Um, you know, it, it's not that their priorities or their desires are any different than than Generation X or, or even the Boomers. Um, I think what's holding them back is that the helicopter parenting. You know, they never learn how to be a, a capable uh, child or they, a capable teen, and so they, they don't feel like they're going right, and so they don't feel like they're a capable adult. You know, that's the thing. When you fail, you're right. When you have the freedom to fail and you fail over and over and over again, you learn. then you realize, A, okay, failure doesn't kill me. No, it doesn't. Right? And, and I can learn from my mistakes, and then I get better so that I don't make those same mistakes over and over again. Exactly. You understand that failure is just a process of life. Uh, but we do have those those folks who just are so afraid to let their kids fail. They never learn how to do it. And now, you know, you see stories of these college professors who say that the, the kids are walking in and they're just freaking out. They're at the edge of a nervous breakdown over a B or a C and – they're calling nine one one when they see a mouse in their apartment. Calling nine one one over a mouse. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I now see. Look at me. I'm off on a tangent. Yeah. That's All right. right. What do you have? Any other questions? Uh, I so so talking about this. Um, you had said something in your book about compared to your parents. Who, uh, for some backstory, your father was in World War Two. Right. And he lied about his age to get in at seventeen. And your mom didn't have was it electricity and or running water until she was a teenager? Was she, just not she plumbing? She did not have she did not have the combination of electricity, running water, and indoor plumbing until she was eighteen. Right. Electricity came first. Um, right. And then there was there was a well uh, that uh, I think it was a WPA project. Um, yeah, I think during you the depression. Tell me that. And so they had they had quote unquote running water. Right. But it wasn't until she was 18 that she moved to a house uh, in a suburb of Oklahoma City that had electricity, indoor plumbing, uh, and running water. That was the first time that she got, to, you know, didn't have an outhouse, basically, was when she was 18. Right. And so you're the baby. Yep. And I know you're upgrooming. You were kind of spoiled. But you say in the book that you do, you, you, in comparison, you're a precious snowflake. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's that's the thing, and, and that's why this book I don't think is an angry screed because I, I think that both Jim and myself, I, I know for me, I understand. I have it so much easier than my parents had it, and my kids have it so much easier uh, than than I had it. Well, we spoil them because I was also poor growing up, and I have a tendency to overcompensate. So yeah, but we also 
I think because we at least are cognizant of that, yeah, then we are also able to temper that and and remind ourselves that you know what part about part of being a kid is actually being challenged. It's actually having rules. It's actually having limits. But it's also being a kid. But it's also being a kid, right? Being able to play, having unstructured free time. Yeah, as opposed to these, you know, constantly scheduled play dates. Um, but, you know, it, it's true. I think the, the snowflake syndrome, um, I, I kind of have a theory, actually, that the snowflake started with the greatest generation, with, with my mom and dad's generation. Because, like I said, you know, my dad, um, first of all, my parents were, you know, pretty, I was, like, I was the youngest, but my mom was 40 when I was born. My dad was almost 48. Uh, when I was born. So I'm like the youngest. I, sometimes I think of myself as like the youngest boomer, even though I was born in the middle of Generation X. I was I was raised by greatest generation parents. Yeah, your parents are old enough to be my grandparents. Right. <laughs> which is <laughs> I mean, weird. Literally. Because I'm nine years you're older than me, right? It's it's so messed up. It, uh, it's just different. It's just a tangled web of, of, of weirdness. But, we have a bonsai for our family tree. Right? It's kind of weirdly odd, short and twisted. So I have like a, I have this generation perspective, but I also have I think that upbringing that that the boomers got. Yeah. Um, and you know if you think about it, like my mom and dad went through the Great Depression, World War Two. Uh, and then you have that prosperity, uh, relative prosperity in the 1950s. Well, actually, real prosperity in the 1950s. And it doesn't surprise me that the 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 people who went through that just awful time, like we, I mean, I don't even think we can really can't imagine, comprehend. right? When they had the opportunity to raise their kids and spoil their kids, I think it's probably natural that they wanted to do that. They didn't want their kids to know the hardships no. that they had known. Right, and so I think the boomers were the original snowflakes, probably. Um, and I think it was a perfectly understandable thing for a, a a society to want to do to protect these kids. But, but then you, guys, you also, but you were protected, but you were also given a ridiculous amount of freedom it, to you, come and go. You were, but this was also when we started to see like the rise of quote unquote youth culture. Right with yeah. Elvis Presley, nineteen fifty-seven. Well, because the, those Dig pe- magazine, we've people got these at old- that age had disposable income because mm-hmm. they either had money from their parents for allowance, or they had some little tiny part-time job because they didn't really have to work for a living to contribute money back to the home. Like some poorer kids actually had to make money so that the, the whole family could survive. Right. Those these people, these children, could have a part-time job and have what's called pin or pocket money. Yeah. So you're right. It's not that we saw the helicopter parenting Mm-mm. in the 1950s, but you did, I think, start to see the coddling. And you started to see Madison Avenue and, uh, you know, pop cult in Hollywood uh, treat the teenage or the youth market as the end-all, be-all, right? Mean, so all of a sudden... geared towards that generation. Right. So it's not that we've always thought that, uh, that youth have all the answers, and it's nah. better to be young than old. Actually, quite the That's, opposite, right? Yes. It's only been in the past 50 or 60 years that there's been this sort of cult of yes. adolescence. Yeah. Um, and it's and, and look, in some ways, it's great. You've got uh, bands that you grew up with that are still, you know, kicking, doing Geico commercials. <clears throat> Europe, have, Final have, Countdown, right? They, they got pacers this. installed. <laughs> right. Walkers to get up to the stage. I'm like, whoa, really? I know how old I am. Listen, to me, I, you know, <laughs> youth culture means that I can be one day an 80-year-old man who doesn't have to wear pants up to my nipples and uh, and, and black socks and, and sandals you know i can still get away with jeans and a t-shirt probably for the rest of my life that's good if you i want to purple hair too exactly there are uh, there are there will, are good I'll things be a literally blue there are things that lady. i enjoy about <laughs> uh this dominance of youth culture but uh, it doesn't mean that you have to uh, uh fully embrace it i guess I, I like your statistics though because by watching some of the home improvement tvs you'd think that the tiny house nation uh thing was actually a real big thing like the entire sectors right. of the of this youth generation are just sloughing off home ownership and choosing to live in a camper I, and calling it a tiny house. You know, so again, I mean, the part of it is just that normal youth experience where, like, I, I, I didn't ever do it, but I wanted to go, and I'm kind of glad I didn't, um, but I wanted to go to Alaska for a summer we all and work in a cannery, right? Right, and you want to, I'm going to go oh, live in a tent. I'm going to have a year. Cool, except for I would probably would have. But I, I, I think a lot of this really is driven by networks like HGTV or 
uh, you know, the DIY network or MTV. I, I did see a, a story today, and I know we're running long here. We need to take a time out. But uh, I did see a story today about a guy who's building his own tiny. This might be the only tiny house I approve of because he's building his own tiny house to live in so that he doesn't have to. He can just pay off his student loans uh, more quickly because mm. he's building his own shelter. And I'm like, all right, you know, okay. that's you that's okay. Uh, but when you're spending sixty thousand dollars on a on a tiny house, house, right? Don't don't spend sixty thousand dollars on a tiny house. Get a house in a city and fix it up. Don't spend sixty thousand dollars on a wedding either. But we talk about that also in the book. All right, yeah. we're gonna take a time out. When we come back, we've got more forty acres in a full. We're here at the kitchen table. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us. More with Miss E. More with Mister Cam. All coming up right after this. Forty acres and a fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. You know, Guru Jay sees things that haunt him. Guru Jay say, I see politically dead people, unholy cow. And when you hear that there's a Rand Paul death watch, well, maybe the best way to put this is, what does Rand Paul have at stake tonight? Rand Paul has at stake tonight shutting people up who are talking about a Rand Paul death watch. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. We were uh, taking a pause here. Otherwise, it would have sounded like we had a water feature in the background because Bullet was lapping at his uh, water bowl. And it's a big dog with a big tongue and a big bowl and a lot of water there displaced. his, uh, (laughs) His crate is right next to my desk. And he stays by my side pretty much all day long at work. Mm-hmm. And he snores worse than you. That's saying something. That's saying something. <laughs> I had another question. I want to ask you one more uh, question about the book. So I wanted to find out what was the... We, the book? Well, what, What's the name of the book? Oh, Heavy Lifting. Um, <laughs> sorry. Heavy Lifting, Grow Up, Get a Job, Start a Family, and Other Manly Advice. And thank you for using the Oxford comma because that made my day when I saw that. <laughs> And it's, and it's consistently used throughout the book. Um, <clears throat> but uh, there was some – I was a book widow for a really long time. So there were a lot of not great things about writing the book. So I want to know what was the best part about writing the book for you. Well, it was not being away from you guys. No. Uh, I'll tell you that. That was the, the worst part. I, I Jim talks about this uh, it, it briefly uh, in the books that it's, it's kind of ironic that – we're writing this book about the awesomeness of being a husband and a father, which means that we're having to spend time away from you guys writing this book. Being which, a husband and father, right? right? Yeah. Um, so I do appreciate your patience. I, I think the best thing was getting to go back and think about some of these memories like our first Christmas together. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we had at one point, uh, as I was writing the book, uh, our uh, middle son – who was 14 at the time, sort of asked, okay, well, why? It's okay. We have Bullet uh, who's joined us here, so you might hear some fingernail or toenails, dog nails, or some heavy breathing. Say hi, Bullet. Can you speak? Nope. Just no. heavy breathing. He breathes heavy. He smiles. All and right. He Lay down, buddy. barks when there's danger, but he has a big, deep, scary voice, so it's a good thing. Yes. Anyway, um... So at one point, uh, our, our our son, who was 14 at the time, asked, you know, like, so what is so good about being a, a dad? I mean, like, well, you know, it seems like it's a lot of work and not a lot of rewards. And, you know, why, why is it such a, a good thing? Um, and so I was, you know, I wanted to say, well, read the book, kid, you know, when I finish it. But <laughs> you can't you can't say that. You got to give an answer right then, yes. you know. You're silly. And so I... Uh, uh, it took him over to uh, the hallway where we, or stairway where we have all of our family pictures kind of going up the, the stairs and showed him this picture of, of he and I when he was just learning how to walk and we're walking down the sidewalk together and he's reaching up and he's kind of doing this little monkey walk and he's he holding like on to my hand, right? He did. He had his arms he, up he, in the air for balanced. balance. Yes, right? he balanced with his arms in the air. And so he's, you know, kind of clutching on my hand with uh, with, with his little fist. And, and I, I remember that day perfectly. Uh, and I, I remember just walking down the sidewalk with him and just, it was kind of one of those first moments 
where you realize like, okay, this is like the, literally the first steps towards independence that I'm, I'm a part of right now. Yeah. And I said, and I've gotten to see you grow from, you know, nothing. from nothing, we right? Have the ultrasound pictures to prove it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I got to have that moment with you and I've gotten, I've, I've been lucky enough to have so many moments uh, with you and that's what makes it all worthwhile. It's, it's not the, it, it's not the maintenance and the management, right? It's the, <laughs> well, it's it, it, even the maintenance and the management, I think has its, has its good points, but, but, you know? But when you say it that way, it's like the, 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 the operations part of, of a family, but it's not, that's not what creates most of the memories. It's just sort of like the, the weird little moments that happen. Yeah. Let's stay with you yeah. forever. So that was the best part was just kind of getting to, to reminisce and, uh, remember a lot of great times over the years. So yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> nice answer. Well, thank you very much. Uh, anyway, the book is uh, heavy lifting. I promise we're not going to talk too much about it over the next few weeks, but, uh, and, uh, it doesn't get you out of writing the Christmas newsletter. However, just mm, because you're like this, you know, big famous author now, uh, that's fine. That's fine. I enjoy the uh, writing the Christmas newsletter every year. And I enjoy making all the homemade Christmas cards. Right. Again, so. it's very complimentary. It is. Uh, so I want to get to a couple of emails here. I'm probably going to have to do this over uh, two segments. And thank you for all of the uh, emails to 40acrefool at gmail.com. 40acrefool at uh, gmail.com. Our friend Rob out in California says, uh, Cam, going to order your book. Woohoo! I was wondering if I sent a copy to you, if you would autograph it. Uh, yes, I would uh, absolutely do that, Rob. So I will uh, send you an email, and uh, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much, again, for uh, for uh, ordering heavy lifting. Rob also said he had to look up the uh, Asian uh, beetles. He says uh, mm. they're flesh eaters. Kill the little buggers. Uh, hey. He also wonders, is there any progress on the cheese vault? No, not yet. But then again, <sighs> I don't have any goats and milk yet. Right. So yeah, sort of it, like a eh. not really a uh, a priority at the moment. Although we uh, we do have a butchering workshop coming up. See, I had to miss the last butchering workshop because I was out of town, but I will be in town for this one. So I think it's uh, mid November. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do one of our American guinea hogs or another one of our goats or maybe just one of each because we could use more sausage meat, as you say, and I would like some more gyro meat. So hey, we could just do all the goats. Well, I don't think we can do all the goats, but we can do a couple in American guinea hog. Or yeah, we have. I think we have enough freezer space for that. Uh, that's the thing. Like we it's could, we could probably space. do more goats, but right, we don't have enough space for a whole lot of uh, extra meat right now. No. We have to eat more pork. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's really yummy to have this fresh, and it's ours, and what have you. But. There's only so like I'm I'm like it would be nice you, to have you could somebody send up who, some really interesting pork recipes. It'd be awesome, but right. It would also be nice to to know somebody who has a uh, who's butchered a cow and would like to trade some you know meat, some some steak, yeah. uh, right? Uh, I, I like some. I, I like a really good steak every once in a while. And I was thinking about you know how we we're talking about Thanksgiving, not maybe doing a turkey. Mm-hmm. I think I but might do a, pork a smoked turkey breast. Because we both like that a lot, and we mm-hmm. don't really like turkey. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about doing like a you prime really like rib roast. Oh, that'd be yummy. Yeah. All right. So I uh, I will sit back and be your sous chef, whatever you need. Thank you, darling. Absolutely. Uh, Robin also wrote in. Uh, Robin's in uh, uh, Virginia, and he said, uh, "I just want to let you know about the increasing pressure uh, from the left here in the in the valley." Uh, Robert works for a, a company. And uh, he, uh, uh, the, the cable company, and uh, helps with the community TV channel. I want to make sure that Robin doesn't get in trouble here, so I'm okay. trying to keep it vague. Oh. Uh, anyway, he says on the uh, on the community uh, access channel, people can post free classifieds and event notices. He says occasionally people post either guns for sale or the local fire department holds a gun bash to uh, to raise money. He said now we've got this guy calling up and complaining about these ads running with with firearms. He said. Uh, I had to take down an ad for a muzzle loader. He says it doesn't matter that the majority of our audience is pro Second Amendment. Well, Rob and I, I tell you what, I appreciate uh, you sending that along, and um, I have to figure out how we get the uh, the word out about this. Well, why, why? Okay, so this is this is the thing about the complainers, right? If you don't like what you see, turn and the quit channel. Looking at it, <laughs> right? Right. I had somebody who came on my Instagram post and called me a horrible person because of a picture I posted about. 
uh, goat that we had to put down mm-hmm. and we turned it into yummy eats. Right. It was like, well, if you don't like what you're looking at, then just shut up and walk away. Oh, we're so past that now, though. We have to make sure that everybody knows. Everything. Exactly. We have to make oh. sure that everybody knows our outrage. Do you, right? how many, do you know how many acts I give about people being outraged and offended <laughs> by what I post? Like, about this many. Like, I don't care. But it, it annoys me that people actually take the time to tell me that they're offended. Like, you don't have anything better to do? No, they don't. Just shut the up and go away. <laughs> they don't. That's 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 why that's, that's, that's why they're there. That's why the internet is not necessarily a good thing because it has turned us into a rude society who thinks we can say anything we want. I yeah, that's probably like a whole other oh, that's conversation. A whole that's, other that's, that's at least like an hour. But uh, I know. You know, has it has it turned us into this, or has it uh, allowed us or enabled us to do this? I think it's enabled us to be more rude because we're all sort of contentious and egotistical and self centered and narcissistic in various levels, anyway. Well, and you're never meeting most of these people that you are so you don't really rude and obnoxious to, right? But I have, I know, I've met people like when I was pregnant with the twins. I met people on the knitting boards that mm-hmm. I know. I still know them, right? But you we weren't were pleasant. But you weren't. You weren't. Calling each other out or expressing your outrage over, I can't believe you used that pattern. That's amazing. <laughs> that is that is just awful. You, I, I can't I believe just, you used oh, that I'm red so heart offended, yarn. Oh right? I mean, like acrylic. <gasps> you you were you were there. It was a hobby. Well, yeah, and you all you all wanted to. Right, exactly. It was yeah. a it was a positive relationship. And when you're just talking about you know anonymous online commenting, nobody uh, knows you're a dog on the internet. Well, everybody knows you're a. Dick. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or they figure it out quick enough. I don't know if I should be able to say that or not. But, sure, why not? It's uh, not I'm an outright go ahead curse. And leave that in leave there, it there, right? Um, you know, I just think that uh, it, it, it. Look, there are still lots of good people. Obviously, people like Robin who wrote in, and Marcy and Rob and Brian. We're going to get your email in just a little bit, but. Uh, you know, there is – it's just the ease with which you can reach out and slam someone. Be an ass. Right? And uh, – Reach out and bleep someone. <laughs> this is like the foulest segment in 36 I, episodes. I'm, epi- I'm actually bleeping well, you're myself you're bleeping out. yourself, but you're just – you know, you're it's still there. You're just bleeping yourself. That's true. Still there. But people get the point when I go reach out. People get the someone. point. You, and you, you don't have to. No. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. All right. Next. What was the next? Uh, someone wrote in. Oh, the next email? Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I'd say what. We're going to um, uh, take a time out. We've got a couple more emails from uh, Brian and Marcy that we'll uh, get to after a quick break. So stick around. We're going to go wash our mouths out with soap. <laughs> Or bourbon or something like that. And we'll be back with uh, more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Income, mobility. When anyone, ever anyone talks about income inequality, first of all, say there's nothing inherently bad about income inequality. There's nothing inherently good about it. It just is. Uh, but there's certainly nothing bad about it. And immediately change the subject to income mobility. And the truth is that income mobility is thriving in America just as much as it ever has before. And that's good news. Now, it can do better. Absolutely. But that's more freedom, not more government. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards continues on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I have washed my mouth out with uh, Knob Creek, actually, this evening. So. Yeah, so no more blue radio. Uh, we do have an email from Brian, however, who said, uh, Me, I'd like to have some Russian food. Let me log into Yelp and find my wallet. Ms. Z, I'd like to have some Russian food. Let me raise a pig and grow the vegetables. <laughs> Brian says, I'm jealous. Well, listen, it, 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 not that I'm taking anything away from Miss E, Brian, but I will say that, uh, yes, the ham was from us and the, and the kielbasa sausage was from us. Um, but it's not like you grew the 
wheat to make the flour for the program. I mean, there was some stuff that you had. You did actually no, have to make I, a trip to the grocery store. I did, but I made the the pierogi. I didn't buy a box out I of know, the freezer. I'm not, listen, I just said I'm not taking anything away from you. And I had to go around and find <laughs> buckwheat flour for the I bleed. know you did. But and, I did get the caviar online. Yeah. And we uh, and you did find the buckwheat flour at uh, one of the really cool kind of country stores uh, in Farmville, Miller's Country Store, which yeah. is run by they are they Mennonite? They're or, Mennonite. They're Mennonite. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But they have they have the best sections for spices, herbs, flowers. Like they have they had spelt and teff. No one has those flowers. Like they have the most amazing assortment of anything you do need to do for baking and canning. I went down there and loaded up on a right. bunch of spices and stuff, and she's oh, somebody's doing some canning. I was like, I was making pickles and doing some baking, so she was right. And they do homemade donuts, and they do soups for lunch, and they have just really del- yummy baked goods. And they have a sandwich. Yeah, they, they sell their little baked goods, and they also have like a little deli area, and I always buy like little tubs of cheese curds from them. Oh, yeah, those oh, are yeah. good. So anyway, if you're, uh, if you're coming down to Farmville next Amish year for the vice butter. presidential debate, Oh, yeah, the Amish, the Amish butter. That's butter. really good, too. It's really, really good. Yeah, and they have... Um, birch beer. Birch beer from, uh, from Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, so they're in uh, Main Street and Farmville. Yeah. So if, you, if you're coming down for the vice presidential debate or, you know, just going down to look at some furniture at uh, Greenfront or... Uh, uh, who knows? The Maybe even stuff you know. around here. We're not that far from historical sites. We've got hotels right. and really great places to eat and shop. Oh, listen, I... In Farmville. I, Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a huge booster. If anybody – actually, if anybody is traveling to Virginia on vacation, let me know because uh, we can give you an itinerary of cool stuff to see and do around Farmville. You just met a couple of your fans. I did, actually. Yeah, week. Christine of- and Jay came right. down from uh, from Pennsylvania. This was actually really cool. Um, Christine and Jay uh, live in, in PA uh, outside of Philadelphia, and for the past six years, they have – Spent their wedding anniversary. They've got you know they they've got four kids, but they leave the kids with uh, the in laws or with her mom, and they get away for a few days, and they go to this place called Mountain Lake Lodge, which is where Dirty Dancing was filmed. They said it was the Catskills, but it really was filmed in Virginia, right? And so you can actually stay. In the cabin. In baby's cabin? In baby's cabin. Where her parents stay? That was a you big can, cabin. You can be put in the corner if you want. Uh, they are pretty big <laughs> cabins. They got it's big nice. wraparound porches. And, and beautiful big lodges. Right. And the big stone lodge is the uh, is, is featured prominently. Uh, and it's fairly reasonable, actually. Uh, the, the rooms in the lodge itself, I think, uh, this fall are going for like $75 a night. Yeah, and even some of the bigger cabins were a really great price in comparison to the square footage that you're getting and all the amenities. Right. So, so anyway, so Jay and Christine uh, uh, were staying there for their wedding anniversary. And they drove 150 miles to Farmville on their vacation to have lunch. lunch with you. Which I just thought was That's the awesome. sweetest thing. Uh, and it was fantastic to meet them. We've talked on Twitter back and forth. And it was just great to actually meet them in person. And hopefully this will be uh, part of their vacation tradition now. They'll, they'll make the drive <laughs> to Farmville. or I, I told them if it was a weekend, we could have met halfway. But, uh, weekend, uh, yeah. That would have been know, nice. They came down on a weekday. So they were really nice. Uh, and and uh, we had lunch. And it was just, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, so anyway, if you're heading to Virginia, let me know. Uh, and, and I'll send you an itinerary. I'll tell you the great place to uh, to eat in uh, Farmville. It's Charlie's. I'll just go ahead and uh, let that secret drop, and well, uh, and we can go out for lunch. Well, if you like Mexican, if you like Mexican, there's uh, El Patron, which is pretty good as well. And then the bakery has really good sandwiches, and there's a couple other places on Main mm-hmm. Street. So. And there's a really good uh, sushi place right next to a gas station. It's not in the gas station. It's just right next to the gas I know. station. When I tell people that we went to <laughs> my favorite gas station sushi place because of that commercial about gas station sushi being a bad idea, right. they always bust a gut. But it's Shogun Steak and Sushi or Steakhouse and Sushi, and it happens to be attached to the same building as a BP. But it's really yummy sushi, and they do really good rolls mm-hmm. and everything else, and it's fantastic and delicious. So, yeah. Yep. Gas station sushi. Do not judge <laughs> it by its name. Exactly. All right. Uh, Marcy also uh, wrote in and said, Cam, I wanted to expand a bit on a few topics from my last email and also address the cedar tree problem because, you know, we had the questions about how to uh, rid property of cedar trees. Yes. Uh, Marcy says about those moon craters and moon craters versus the uh, elephant ears. 
Oh, yeah. She uh, says, I asked my sister, the band director of our high school, about the name, and she told me that the Moon Crater stand made its debut in 1969 and was meant to capitalize on the popularity of the space race. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, that makes total sense, Marcy. Also, at the time, she said the technical difference was that elephant ear dough was rolled out and Moon Crater dough was pulled well, into I, shape. The last time I saw that lady make elephant ears at the fair, she was pulling it. Okay. So, yeah, well, there was also. If it's also a piece of dough and it's yeast. It's going to be about the same. Yeah. So anyway, Moon Crater, because 1960s, it was, you know, it was the moonshot. Uh, also, uh, Marcy uh, says the origin of the name Potato Creek, uh, where uh, Marcy lives there in Indiana, came from early English settlers who observed Native Americans harvesting potato-like plants from the creek bank. Mm. And uh, she says the techniques for removal of exotic or undesirable plants are numerous. For cedar trees, the small one, can, uh, she says, can be mowed or pulled. Uh, and larger trees can be treated with herbicide or cut. She says uh, a couple of other messes that are a lot more fun are to stick some goats on them. Yeah, 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 that's true. As long as they can get up there. They love the locust shoots. The locust, We have black locust trees that are just coming out of the ground out of nowhere because we have them in the front yard. Right. So they, have, they throw off runners. And the goats love eating the little green bits. Yep, absolutely. Uh, she says the other fun method... Uh, is to uh, uh, use a prescribed burn periodically that'll control the vast majority of woody growth. Hey, now, see, there you right? go. I'm always trying to set fire to things, and you're like, wait, yes. no, don't do that. You might set fire to the house. Yes, our, our little beavis of the 40 acres. Fire, <laughs> fire, 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 fire. Uh, anyway, I she's... have a weed dragon. It's awesome. <laughs> Marzi says it probably goes without saying that one must do their homework when choosing that method. We use burns in the park, or at the uh, park in the spring, to help keep the prairies clear of trees, and it's a well-planned endeavor, and also, she says, well-regulated by the state, as you might well imagine. Yeah. Uh, Marcy says, I was a uh, certified pesticide applicator in my previous life before kids, and I worked for an ecological resource company. So I'm familiar with broad and selective herbicide application techniques. So if you ever do decide to tackle some of the vines on the farm, she says, let me know. I will indeed, Marcy. Thank you. Uh, Marcy also uh, uh, talked about, you know, she lives on a state park right. in Indiana, right? So she has... She says every state's different, but in Indiana, the property manager and the assistant property manager of each state park live there on the property. She says it's a pretty exclusive club. I would imagine so. That's really cool. That'd be kind of cool, though. If, as long as you were able to, like, you know, have some critters and grow some vegetables and right. not be afraid of getting thrown off your land at the capricious whims of your crazy landlord, oh. which is the United States <laughs> government. Or no, it would be the state of Indiana. Oh, okay. be the state government. Well, hopefully they're not as crazy as our federal <laughs> government. Can I say that? I, I think you just did. <laughs> I just did. Finally, Marcy says, uh, I say this coquettishly regarding the melodic voice of one Charles Cook. In addition to listening to him on Cam and Company, she says, I gleefully ordered the audio version of his book, which he narrates. Yes, it's... Charles, see, Marcy, we're in the same club, man. Charles, <laughs> Charles could recite a grocery list at me. Oh, yeah. You used to say that about me. No, and then you met a British guy with a great accent. I met a, an Oklahoma <laughs> dude with a fantastic accent, too. But then I met a British guy with a fantastic accent. So it's all like, it's just the fantastic accent part. Yeah. But he's fun. He is fun. I mean, he's fun, too. No. It's, it's, <laughs> seriously? Let me stroke your ego a little bit more. Yes, of course. Well, we you're stroking Charles's ego quite a bit here he's in this not. segment. Is he listening? He will. Okay. Of course. He listens all the time. I you know, like we, him. He's fun. He's a youngin. I'm happy for him. He has a cute dog. I hope he comes to visit soon. I hope he does come to visit soon. Because we had it's a really a great time when we did that um, distillery. Not distillery. We did the brew pub. The brewery. The brew. The, the brewery brew. drive. I was yep. the designated driver, and I drove you silly guys around Virginia going to different breweries. It was fun. That was fun. It and, was fun. And, again, we owe you for that. Um I'm still waiting for my payoff, but that's okay. I got a growler that day. You did. And a couple other things, I think. Marcy says, I hope Missy had the happiest of birthdays. I think we covered that. I I did. Thank you very much, Marcy. I had a fantastic day. It was the best party ever. And Marcy says, uh, you are wise to caution her against going down the rabbit hole that is Twitter. Yeah. No, he didn't even have to caution me. I just don't like that whole... uh, Again, like, it, you get to, we were talking about the, the comments you were getting about your goat post on Instagram. Yeah, seriously, well, and 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 it's it's kind of crazy. Like I post, 
I have food and family and mostly food and farm stuff and critters and vegetables. I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing. I have like 290 followers from all over the place now. Like, really, Iran, Australia, Jamaica, Mm -hmm. England. It's kind of fun. If you want to follow Missy on Instagram... Uh, the uh, it's Corny Goat Farm, right? Corny Goat Farm, C O R N Y Goat Farm, Corny, Corny Goat Farm. It's Instagram, and and it's open. It's fun. It's it's like I said. It's just you know food and stuff. It's awesome. But just don't give her any grief for uh, butchering a goat. Nah, it's or, or yeah, you can look and get see the big <laughs> thousand pound hog that I helped to butcher. Just yeah, get over it. And if you don't like it, just then don't look. There you go. Turn your head away. Well, hopefully uh, you did like this episode of 40 Acres and a Fool, and you'll be back next week, because we'll be back next week as well. Yes, we will. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, read a book, maybe uh, Heavy Lifting by Jim Garrity and Cam Edwards, and we will talk to you soon here with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Have a wonderful week, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. See you soon. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.